the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The views and opinions expressed by Rob Black and his guests are not necessarily those of KDOW or its management owners or advertisers and should not be construed as legal tax or investment advice. Always consult with the appropriate advisor before making any investment or financial planning decision. Welcome in, Rob Black and your money. I'm Rob Black, talking money, investing, and more. Don't be shy. Anything you want to talk about, we can talk about. Getting into retirement, money issues. I did a seminar recently, and um, one of the things that I noticed was how many people have been coming to my seminars for 20 years now. That's a good thing and a bad thing. You kind of hope that at some point in time, people don't need you. It's kind of a weird thing to say out loud, but you kind of hope, especially since uh, a lot of it's common sense. You know, someone came up to me and said, you know, hey, what you do is really common sense, and I really appreciate it. And, you know, there's no way I'm going to knock that. I'm going to say that's a great thing, right? But at some point in time, you also go, it might be good if people didn't need me. I'm not about to commit suicide or anything like that. I haven't given away all my worldly possessions, but you get the idea. One of the things I want to push today is sometimes you look back and you, you think about what's what I would refer to as a new normal. You look at the last 10 years. Recently, Amazon announced that they're picking up a company called Pill Packet. Now, I love Pill Packet. I don't use Pill Packet, but I do know Pill Packet. And if you're on a drug for a blood thinner, and if you're on a drug for diabetes, and you're on a drug for, I don't know, high blood pressure, it's tough to remember how many you take of each and when. And the company divides it all up for you and sends it to you. Now, if that doesn't bark right up Amazon's alley of convenience, I don't know what does. I think it's perfect. They got licensed in 49 or 50 states almost instantly, so they didn't have to go through that hullabaloo. But wait, wait, wait. Didn't they just buy Whole Foods like a year ago or maybe even less? Have they integrated that yet? And that's one of your fears. As an investor, you get super excited and people for years go, Apple, why aren't you buying other companies with all your cash or your stock? People get mad. But you don't want to do it too fast, too soon, too often. Because when you acquire a company, you have to consume them. It's like that snake. You ever seen a snake eat a pig or a snake eat a baby? Nothing funnier than a snake eating a baby. <laughs> so the snake eats the pig, and he sits there, and like he's vulnerable, right? He's got that big old belly, and he's focused on getting that, 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 that pig digested. <laughs> So Amazon right now is in a vulnerable position because, yes, they're using their expensive stock, which is exactly what you want to go out and buy big, big moonshot ideas. They're not using their cash. But then you're like, oh, wait, 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 wait. don't forget what you do well. That's your big fear is that people look back and, and say, I remember when Amazon was a much better delivery company. Or, I remember when Amazon had much better deals. Rubble, 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 rubble. They're robbling again. A lot of people look back at the last 10 years and they just refer to it as the new normal. And I, I, that's fine. I think you have to go with the flow that things change. History shows 
that while a little rain falls on every investment portfolio, the sun always comes out to shine in the end. In the 75, 10-year period since 1926, the S&P 500 has made money 95% of the time. you talking about good odds there. You're talking about great odds. So work with that a little bit in your head, please. This isn't the, the toughest thing in the world to explain. You have an online bank. That's something that's like, you know how the new normal I'm talking about? I'm a little bit afraid about the millennials right now because uh, I owe someone money and I have to go find an ATM machine to grab them money. I don't even know where ATM machines are anymore. I'm all about the Venmo and the PayPal and, and like the modern forms of, of paying each other, right? So there's that. I came up with a list 20 years ago of investment ideas that could be the new normal for the next 10 years or investment ideas that don't necessarily wash away. And this list is not bad from 20 years ago. Some of I don't, I don't know what the hell's going on. Like I haven't looked up facts at data in years, but I see Nike on the list. I see McDonald's on the list. Praxair, PepsiCo, TJ Maxx, T. Rowe Price. Those are some good companies and they served you well. I think one of the biggest mistakes people make is that they don't have any priorities. They just kind of go through life. And I, I'm stunned by that. You know that commercial that right that's playing right now with Fidelity, and they're like, one out of three Americans don't have a retirement plan. And then they show you like a 75-year-old grandma spinning CDs and, or DVDs or uh, laser disc or what is she spinning? She's doing the Beats 1 headphones on, and she's a, a, a DJ, right? Where's the beef? I love Clara Peller. Man, I miss her. When Clara Peller, the Where's the Beef lady from Wendy's, died, Where's a, the beef? a little part of me died. I thought she was probably kind of good looking, you know? Kind of good looking for a 85-year-old Wow, 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 wow. So most people don't have any, any ideas when it comes to money that you have to pay attention. Like It's like with your baseball team or your... Your 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 startup. You have priorities, right? I got to get up every day. I got to take a look at the paper. I have to work out. I have to do. You have to like set this stuff up. And for me, it's it's taking care of your retirement is probably the first concept that I have from sixty to one hundred. So it's something like that. And then you know, figuring out how do I want to live in retirement? Do I want to live like a shut in, like my mom? Probably not. She spent the last twenty years basically watching not Jerry Springer but QVC. Not much better. There used to be a a news anchor, something Stone, Harvey Stone, something Stone. But my mom was like, you're like, Mom, Dad's been dead for five years. We can move on. And she's like, I really like that newsman. And you're like, oh, no. Oh, no. She's attracted to Stone Phillips. Him and his beautiful blue eyes. So that's not my goal of retirement. I'm not going to have a lot to say in it, but I'd probably not like that, is my guess. So setting up some priorities, some retirement, some college, some, you know, uh, if for some reason you have a bucket list or something in retirement that you really want to do, you want to have a budget. Start with mint.com, play around a little bit, Google best budget sites, best budget apps. I hate it. There's nothing worse than being on like a treadmill and saying, how long did I run today? I forgot to start my watch on time. And you have to like go in and and manually add things in. Like budgeting is manually adding in your daily costs. Hate it. Um, Other big thoughts and ideas out there. I go back to the stock one. In large part, how much money stocks have made each year on a pretty consistent thought. 
So when you're talking about the stock market going up as often as it does, what you want to do is make saving a habit so that you take advantage of it going up as often as it does. There's some years where I feel like my automatic savings curses me because the market's always at a high. It's always at a high. It's always at a high that I've maxed out my automatic savings. And the last three or four months of the year, the market goes down. I'm like, oh, I would have rather the bothered on sale all at once. But I don't have a crystal ball. I do have a crystal skull that has tequila in it. No way. And it does talk to the dead if you have enough of it on a Friday night. But no crystal ball. I'm Rob Black talking all things financial. Catch Rob Black and Rob Black and your money live on the Bay Area Airwaves. Weekday mornings from 7 to 9 on AM 1220 KDOW and streaming live on the KDOW radio app or KDOW.biz. And don't forget the weeknight replay at 7. Let's talk tech investing and tech lessons. You don't hear this often from me as often as I used to do it, but... When commodity semiconductors go up in demand, it's too big of a market at this point in time to be a false move. So whether it's the typically the DRAM semiconductors are probably what we're talking about most. Inside your computer right now, how much RAM do you have? You may know you have 16, or you may know you've got 32 or 64, whatever. You may not know the brand of it. So it's very much so commoditized. Now, do you know what we used to say 20, 30 years ago? And this is funny to me now. Because I think computing's moving in a completely different direction. Do you remember that damn big box you'd get from Dell or Compaq or Gateway? Gateway had the cow boxes. And you're like, ooh, there's a big brand new computer in it. So that's what I always think of with commodity semiconductors. You know it's the Dell or the Compaq or the HP or the, uh, you know, the box, right? The Apple boxes. But you may not know all the components that go inside of it. And to be a good tech investor, you need to know the components that go in it and the demand issues tied towards them. Economic recoveries. This is what I like to say about economic recoveries, because we all have to have say something about something, right? Economic recoveries tend to begin when rising consumer confidence sparks an increase in consumer spending. Economic recoveries tend to begin when rising consumer confidence sparks an increase in consumer spending. So you know what consumer confidence is to me, right? It's, it's a report that comes out typically once a month on Wall Street, and they go, Tony, how is your business doing? And he's like, oh, pretty good. How do you think the overall economy is doing? Oh, that's not so good. What do you think about the future for your neighbor who works for that, that plant down in uh, Chicago? <laughs> not so good, huh? So maybe the thought is he feels okay, so he's going to spend money on his vacation. But he's thinking his neighbor doesn't. So that could be false, right? Because the neighbor could have the same exact answers to the questions about him. But economic recoveries tend to begin when rising consumer confidence. So that's why you pay attention to consumer confidence. When you're feeling good about the future, you tend to make babies. Now, I know you're saying, is it that easy? Yeah, yeah, I think it's that easy. When you're feeling good about the future, you tend to spend money. If you buy a company because it's hot and going up, then you sell it when it's cold and going down. Is it that kind of simple? It can be. It should be. I come up with a list of five reasons why I'd buy a stock and five reasons why I'd sell a stock. I want more of that. I want more lists. And I want to be honest with you. Like, if, like, for instance, if your list is, like, finding a partner and you're like, she has 32 teeth. And then she has 30 teeth. And then 28 teeth. And, like, you're really happy with the 32. And you can work with 30. But then she keeps losing more and more teeth. At some point in time, you got to go, sweetie, 
cut down on the sugar smacks. You don't need those in your cereal. They're nothing but sugar. They're, they're, they're coating your teeth with sugar boogers. So anyway, you have to have standards, and you have to be willing to say, these are the five reasons I wrote this down to buy it. These are five reasons why I wrote it down to sell it. You know what I love? I love the person who comes up to me at a seminar and tells me about universal life insurance or index life insurance and what a great idea it is. You know why I love it? Because Darwin is live and well. The old Darwinian wood chipper. Someone comes up to me and says, what do you think about this awful product? That you've said awful things about universal life insurance, indexed life insurance, variable life insurance, awful, awful, awful product. Or as CFP Chad Burton would say, terrible. That's terrible. That's terrible. So my thought there is, and I had two people last night ask me about universal life insurance, and I said it like this. I, I think that's a really awful product. I think you're getting ripped off. But what do you think about the fees? I think the guy who's selling that to you is going to make a lot of money, and I think you're going to be disappointed with what you get. I'm like, I've said to you three times, in theory, I'm the expert here because you're asking the question, bad, no good, no bueno, sell, 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 stay away, toxic. Well, well, what about Universal Life Index? I heard on a radio station in a commercial. So I hear that so damn often, and it's, it's, it comes back to this idea of the urge to swindle, and the urge to be swindled is just as strong as the urge to speculate. And if we can control our urges, we become better human beings. If we control our urges, we become better investors. And there's some people who just want to be swindled, and there's some people who just want to speculate with crap product because it sounds too good to be true. Didn't your mother ever teach you a damn thing? You somehow got to this point being 40, 45 years old, without putting your tongue in an electric socket. And then you get like this idea that you hear a commercial on a radio station for universal life insurance, that it sounds too good to be true, where you get all this great life insurance, you get all this great protection. Who else gets that in the world? The catch is they charge you a lot. And the, the, the catch is you don't need to protect your investments when they go up 90% of the time over time. Why do you protect that? Are you ignorant? So... I like market shakeouts. We haven't had a good down market in a while that made me feel like, I think things are a little moist down in my underwear. I don't know what's going on. I think I need a new pair. We haven't had anything like that in a while. And we need it because market shakeouts make me want to buy more. Market tops and market volcanoes where it blows the the lid off of it make me want to buy less. A couple great investments out there. Value in, or great books, Value Investing, A Balanced Approach. It's probably not going to get you far as far as a uh, game goes this summer at the beach. If you've got your eye on a certain particular sexy person, don't drop the book Value Investing, A Balanced Approach in front of them and have them pick it up and go, oh, you're a value investor, are you? No, never admit it. Live it, but don't admit it. Say I own Facebook and Amazon and Netflix and Google. So value investing, a balanced approach. Sexy book for me, not so sexy book for other people. So there was a point in time 15 years ago where I could say Bill Gross has averaged 10.6% gains in bonds for 29 years. And he only had three losing years. And And since then, it's been all garbage. So 15 years ago, he looks like a rock star in the bond market. He's the king of the bond market. His title is king of the bond market. 
you know what they say about the king, right? It's good to be the king. It's good to be the king. So he clearly knows his SHI. Busted eardrums. So had you looked at him 15 years ago, you would have thought he was a rock star. If you looked at him now, you're like, you're a washed up. You look like you're a porn star. What's up with that mustache and the balding head? Like, if you're losing hair aggressively on the top of your head, don't replace it with something under your nose. My opinion. Or take it all off the top. What are you talking about, fool? That wiry stuff? No. And he does hot yoga, and I don't want to think of him doing hot yoga. Anyway, 15 years ago, rock star in the bond market. Since then, trash. What's your perspective on that? It all depends on the floating opera. When do you see it? Do you love it or do you hate it? I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial money, investing, and more. Want the podcast with music? Find the link to the other version of the podcast by going to Rob Black's Twitter. His handle is at Rob Black Show. Listen to Rob Black and Your Money weekday mornings, 7 to 9 on AM 1220 KDOW. Welcome in, Rob Black and Your Money. I'm Rob Black, talking money, investing, and more, hopefully getting into retirement sooner than later. Do you remember... The childhood nursery rhyme, or I'm going to say rhyme, but I know it's not a nursery rhyme. Bobos make your feet feel fine. Bobos cost $1.99. And it was a way of teasing other kids at school that their mama put them in cheap shoes going to school. And when that happened and you had four older brothers, you felt the brunt of it and it hurt. So, not quite a nursery rhyme, but kind of a nightmare, right? But why do I bring up Bobo's? Because when I was seven, eight, nine years old, all I wanted was, instead of a pair of Kmart shoes, I wanted a pair of Nikes, or Adidas, or Reebok, or Boston Gear, Boston Apparel, right? Anyhow, and anyway, that, that image is still in my head, and that's why you own Nike, that was 30, 35, 40 years ago. And Nikes were, I'm not going to say God back then, but they, they had their title. And now you look at Nike and, you know, through all the years, you hear about, oh, Nike's in trouble because uh, Indonesian children are, are being misused and they have women in factories because you could intimidate women and children. You're like, yeah, so that's a good thing, right? As far as an investor goes, you're getting cheap labor. Now, as far as a human being goes, you got a moral issue to work with. But that's why I like Nike. And then you like you see like how many pairs of Nike Jordans are there? I'm not a Nike Jordan guy, but there's like 300 different pairs, and they all have different values based on how many of them made and in what sort of condition they're in. So should I should I say buy Nike? Is that irrational of me? Maybe. And I'll I'll work with that. There's a guy named Ron Mullenkamp, who I like enormously as an investor. His last name is M-U-H-L-E-N-K-A-M-P. And on his webpage, which is very, how shall we say, so 2000, um, on his website, he's published a lot of the articles that he's written in the 1960s and 1970s and 1980s. And some of it was on inflation. Some of it was on housing costs and where he's leaving advice to his daughter on ideas. He's one of the greatest investors of all time. He is like a Reggie Jackson. And no one knows his name because, well, we don't collect baseball cards of investors. But he has a lot of great writing. And I highly recommend you Google Ron Mullenkamp and, and, and pick it up. It'll take you five minutes at lunch today. 
while you're having noodles at your desk, check out a little Ron Mullenkamp and see if there's one article that doesn't intrigue you. Financially educate yourself just a skosh. You ever see the movie Strictly Ballroom? It's an amazing film. In my opinion, there was a period of the, the 90s where the Australians, they're cheeky, right? And the only way they can compete with Hollywood is to come up with cheekier movies than the last. So it could be about a girl's, you know, uh, bachelorette party and suddenly it has to be the chunky one who gets the guy and it has to be cheekier than the last. And the pretty one of the bachelorette group falls in mud or something like that and gets her comeuppance. And Hollywood can't do it because it's too stupid to believe. Good-looking people always win. So Strictly Ballroom was a fantastic movie, but there was a line in it that always struck with me because I was beginning investing at that point in time, and I was consuming more media. A life lived in fear is a life half-lived. Now, I, I know that sounds cliche, and I know it sounds like something that you might find on a mug, and I have no mugs with sayings on them, and I don't like people who have mugs with sayings. But as an investor, you cannot think of it as gambling. As someone who wants your nest egg to grow, you can't look at it as gambling. And you can't look at it as like, what am I going to do for the next 72 hours? If you do, that's fine. You're a trader. You're not an investor. You're a speculator. You're not an investor. When the guy said, there there be gold in them there hills, he didn't know. And if he was wrong, he just spent a lot of time trying to get it out. So you don't mess speculation with investing. Investing is serious. Investing is about getting your retirement. Now, here's the trick on investing. You can't have hard, fast rules to cover everything. That's the, th- that's the trick about individual stocks. A couple years ago, what was the worst company ever that I, like Twitter, like, when are they going to make money? Why is my Twitter feed always junked up? I can't seem to find anything that I want. And then you started to learn how to use Twitter. It really wasn't meant, in my opinion, to say, hey, Joe, you want to get lunch? That's called Instant Messenger. That's on your phone. That's called Facebook Messenger. It's on your phone. So people couldn't quite figure out Twitter, and you could have got it for $12 a share. And on this show, I said, no, you can't go for that. They're not earning money. You have to wait. And now it's at $40 a share. So you can't have hard, fast rules on everything. Twitter was a hell of a brand. And I could be man enough or woman enough. I could be person enough to say. I could be child enough to say. I was wrong. I had a hard, fastened rule. Let's wait till they're profitable. And instead of saying, Dorsey's kind of cool, Jack Dorsey's kind of cool. I saw him once um, on Chrissy Field, so walking, a, probably the cutest little dog in the world, and, and walking around like this, oh, I'm such a billionaire who's so sad, I'm going to go take a walk on the beach, and all these cute people are going to see me, and maybe they'll want to feel bad for me. I'm Jack Dorsey. I'm a billionaire on a beach who's so sad. Did I mention that I'm a billionaire? So, yeah, I did see him, and I should have invested with him and, and said, you know, you did come up with something great with Square. You did come up with something great with Twitter. It's a new form of communication. And, and the, you know how I knew that? Well, there was two. There was a couple times, like the Vegas shooting and the Osama bin Laden. And anytime there's a shooting now, I go straight to Twitter. If I've got that sick knowledge that I want to know, someone on Twitter is tweeting it, and it's being retweeted. And it's better than CNN, way better than CNN. Now, it may not be as reliable as CNN, because I think part of that Vegas shooting was, was tied towards an alien Elvis impersonator, but that's neither here nor there. I should have known. I should have said, you know, Rob, break a rule on occasion, because it's Jack Dorsey. He's the billionaire who walks all by himself on the beach with a cute little dog. And like 
Victoria's Secret models are following him <laughs> everywhere. I hate you, Jack Dorsey, you and your puppy! But with that being said, I probably had a dog with me walking on the beach and going, I'm, I've got a million. There's a great quote that I once talked about all the time. You take the top 10% and bottom 10%, give me the rest of the 80%. That's how investing should work. But most people try to hit that top 10% and they end up striking out, moving to the bottom 10%. I'd rather go with capitalism each and every time. One of the most appalling things that I see people do as in the investment world is not do their homework. They hear about a company and they say, I'm going to invest in said company. Do you remember like um, in elementary school or high school, how far that got you? Whether there's a test coming up and you're like, I'm not going to even study. I'm going to use someone else's homework. It never ends up well for you. Especially the teachers are savvy. Man, when they report, when they give out two or three different tests with two or three different questions with similar but different answers. There was a late 19th century saying it was credited to traders in the stock market who were interested in doing business in China. If we can just lengthen the skirt of each Chinese person by one inch, is the quote. If we could just lengthen the skirt of each Chinese person by one inch, we would sell millions and more dollars of cloth. That's how big the Chinese market is. And we're talking, this is 19th century quotes, right? If we could just back then think of how we can get people to buy one inch longer, a four inch skirt versus a five inch skirt. So that's how damn bi- that da- how damn impressive China is. And that's why when you hear about Apple or you hear about anyone else, you know, Apple's focusing on India right now. Why? Because there's, you know, a lot of people there. Apple wants to focus more on China, but they've got a government that wants a lot of privacy issues to be ignored. So understand big concepts like the China one are always going to be true. This was a quote from over a hundred years ago. That's a pretty good market you want to get into. Now that doesn't say do what everyone else is doing. Because for instance, back in the early nineties, there was a lot of companies that were solving China's economic problems with the growth of their, their cities with, with traffic, with bicycles. I'm like, bicycles, who would take a bike to work? And now you go to San Francisco and it's like, it's, it's Shanghai, mini Shanghai. And it's, it's people on bikes. And it's a lot of pollution. And we used to say San Francisco is gorgeous and, and crystal clear. So anyway, some of these concepts do stick for a long period of time. I'm trying to give you that that idea in this segment. You can find me online at robblackshow.com. That's Rob Black Show. Twitter, Rob Black Show. Twitter, Jack Dorsey. I'm a billionaire. Look at me. And you can also find me on YouTube, Rob Black Show. I'm Rob Black. Don't forget, there's another hour of today's show to listen to. Find it now at kdow.biz or on the KDOW radio app. You know what I do before buying a stock? I do not sacrifice anything. Don't think that. I'm not evil. Whoa. Before buying a stock, I read the annual shareholder letter. I used to date the lovely and talented Juliet, who was a graphic designer, who did annual reports for banks like Mellon Bank. She had a kind of specific niche with the pittsburgh area but um annual reports are awesome if you read them it's not quite as good as reading about jugs magazine where in jugs magazine you learn about 16th century pottery and how like how epic that that period of time was oh my 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 i mean if you don't like byzantine vases what's wrong with you so anyway before buying a stock i read the annual shareholder letter it shows me who the competition is it shows me what risks there are to the company. 
It shows me the board of directors. It shows me key figures in the company, key ideas. Once a year, the CEO writes a, le- a annual letter, shareholder letter. You have to check quarterly reports. You do a news search for one to three months for every major newspaper. And when you're in re- when you're in media, you have access to every major newspaper. You know, to be fair, I like the New York Times and the Wall Street Journal as basic ideas of news. Although I do realize, and I hope you realize, one of the flaws with news today, whether it be Business Insider, the Wall Street Journal, the New York Times, is that some of those great journalists that we used to have years and years and years ago have been replaced with Reuters stories. And some of those great journalists that we used to have years and years and years ago have been replaced with 22-year-old Boston College journalist majors who are living with mom and dad in the basement and have never actually held a job, but they're writing about the jobs report. So there is a lot of problems in news. I always like watching Monday on Wall Streets. I feel like Larry King all of a sudden. Yeah, Miranda, if you had two dimes to rub together, why it doesn't turn into a quarter? No, no, no. You're a crazy old man who who's down to coming up with stupid ideas to throw out. But I always loved Mondays. Because <clears throat> that's when a lot of decision-making from the end of the week in perspective to over the weekend to time to take action on Monday. So I could start drinking on Tuesday, which will carry me to Friday, and I can start thinking about everything again, right? So Mondays are interesting for me to watch because... You see the money flows. Mondays are sometimes pretty interesting because some people get paid on Mondays. Now, this isn't as relevant as it used to be. Do you remember your boss? If you worked in fast food or pizza delivery or floral delivery, he'd, he'd have paychecks on Friday. And everyone would wander in right around 12 on a Friday. But oddly enough, the paychecks wouldn't arrive till like 105 after the banks have closed business for the day. That's kind of an old thing that's gone away, right? used to watch people go to the bank. Single most important piece of advice I can give you on investing is diversify. Never, ever feel any shame in selling a stock that's run. When you see Nike up 20% in a day, and you're like, Nike's never up 20%. Well, it's up 20% a day. If you want to sell a little bit of it, there's no shame police that are going to come back to you and say, oh, you sold it too early. Well, maybe you sold Amazon too early, or maybe you sold Apple too early. But sometimes, if you want to book a little bit of a profit to feel good about yourself, it's okay. Because like stocks don't typically go from 100 to 110 in one day. Back when I was a young boy, young Rob Black, I had my John Maynard Keynes lunchbox. Back in that day, I would read the paper with my father. My father would put me on his lap. And he'd say, boy, let me show you something. And he'd show me the results of, of publicly traded companies. And you'd see companies like GE go from 47 and a quarter because everything was priced in quarters and eighths, which again, people don't really talk about anymore. And you would see that in the last 52 weeks, it's been as high as 52 and as low as 46. And like, man, that's kind of boring. It's not really moving much. But he goes, if you can get it from 46 to 52, maybe next year you get it from 52 to 56. I'm like, boring. Show me some price action. I'll bid a dollar on the showcase showdown. I don't care. I'm crazy. And then the next person bids $2. And you're like, oh, you're killing us all. So anyway, I, I think the point of that one is get involved. Be an investor. Know what you're doing.
buy stocks on dips on occasion if your stock has a, a crazy good day. If you want to sell a little bit, that used to be a problem 30, 40 years ago when it cost you three to $400 to buy and sell a stock. So you get like $4,000 and it just costs you 400 bucks. That's 10%. You're already down. So you need that $4,000 stock, which is now actually just $3,600 because it costs $400 to buy. You need it to, to rock and roll for you even further. So that's like, that's how people set themselves up for losing. They would buy for the long term, but end up selling in the short term or thinking short term. But now fees are so low. Seriously, people, you can go to Robinhood right now and, and buy and sell stocks for free. Anyway, I'm Rob Black talking all things financial money, investing and more. Have a game plan when it comes to life. Have a game plan when it comes to investing. Change that game plan every five to so years. Update it. You're a different human being, I hope. So I used to run over squirrels and watch them die. Now I just run them over. We change as human beings. I know you're saying, what did he just say? Did he just say he watched squirrels die? No, 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 no. It was a jokey. Behave yourself. We have all evolved on some level, I hope. Evolved. Moved up, changed, improved. Have a life plan and investing. Have a life plan for your life. Check back on it every five years because you will change. I'm Rob Black. Find me online at robblackshow.com. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.